I don't want to scare anyone. But I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Some sort of demented creature. Surviving in the wilderness. Full grown by now. Stalking. Stealing what he needs. Living off wild animals and vegetation. Some folks claim they've even seen him. Right in this area. The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that Friday the 13th, she claimed she saw She disappeared two months later. Vanished. Blood was everywhere. No one knows what happened to her. Legend has it that Jason saw his mother beheaded that night, and he took his revenge. A revenge that he'll continue to seek if anyone ever enters his wilderness again. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I'm joined, as always, by Jason Waters. Jason, how are you today, buddy? Doing amazing, man. Outstanding. All right. Well, you know, we kind of dedicated the month of October to the Halloween franchise because there was a new Halloween movie coming yep. out, and you know, we, we you know we did a, a retrospective on the franchise, then we did our review of Halloween Ends. That was a fun month. That was a fun month. 
Now, we're recording right now on Sunday, October 30th. Mm-hmm. Now, anyone that does a podcast knows that, you know, if you're going to do a little editing on your show, you know, a 24 hour turnaround is, is it's going to be really difficult, especially with my schedule. So yeah. if you're li- when you know, you're listening to this, it's probably, you know, November 4th or 5th. So, you know, we wanted to try to get one more horror movie themed episode out and, you know, by October. But, uh, you know, we don't say it's, we don't have an, a Friday the 13th of November, do we? That, you know, uh, what? is a 12th, I think. Is it 12? Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So, so I've always kind of wanted to discuss the Friday the 13th movies. You know, for me, it's, uh, and, and part of this is because, you know, I made a comment when we were recording the, the, Hall- the Halloween franchise retrospective that <laughs> I, I said that uh, I think the Friday the 13th movies are, uh, you know, the most consistent in their tone. And after spending the past two and weeks, <laughs> exactly. After spending the past two weeks rewatching these films, I, I, I was way off. Yep. I was way off. In fact, yeah, they're kind of all over the place. They are. And there's some of these that I haven't watched probably in 20 or 30 years yeah. and caught the rewatch this time and just went, this is not what I remember. Yeah. But I mean, we'll get into the meat and potatoes, but some better than expected and some just much, much worse. If you would have asked me before I sat down and rewatched all of these movies, I would have told you offhand, like my favorites are going to be uh, four, six. That's it. You know, I think that was, that's the ones I was going to be like those. I, I find other ones utterly fascinating when we get to Jason Takes Manhattan. I'm not <laughs> saying that's a good movie, but I find it fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I think I would have said two and three. So I, I still like the original for what it did for horror on the whole, but I think two and three kind of carried a, a bigger torch towards the rest of the 13 movie. I agree with you completely. You know, if we're going to talk about the first one for a second, which is released on May 9th, 1980, uh, made for basically half a million dollars. It's part of this, you know, slasher movie craze, which Halloween in 1978 ushered in. And there yep. was... Tons of studios, big big studios, tiny little production companies that were making these horror movies for you know two hundred and fifty, five hundred thousand oh, yeah. dollars. If they made a million or two million, that was considered a success. And there were just there were tons, probably at more than a hundred by it's, the time yeah. this movie came out. It's like what Blair Witch spawned, you know, early in the two thousands. That all of a sudden this low budget horror flick could be made for next to nothing and just gross. I mean. On unthinkable numbers. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm obviously too young to remember when this movie came out, you know, but it was, it's interesting because Friday the 13th, it, it's, it has a theme when you look at the title of the movie, just like Halloween has a theme, you know, yeah. there was, there was all kinds of my bloody Valentine's day and prom night and, yeah. you know, any, any hook you could come up with. So, um, so I rewatched this one about two weeks ago. I've seen this a couple times, a uh, fun little side note here. So, I was seeing a girl. This is back in 2009. I was seeing a girl and we had hung out a couple times and she invited me to, to come over and watch a, a couple of movies with her. And this is when Blockbuster was still a thing. Yep. And she said, Dana, I want you to tell me what your favorite horror movie is. 
and we're going to watch it together. And I said, great. I said, oh, it's for me, it's probably a nightmare on Elm Street. You know, at least at that time, I said, it's probably a nightmare on Elm Street. So I, she goes, well, I'm going to go buy Blockbuster and, and pick that up. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. She goes, and I've never seen it. I'm like, this oh. is great. Oh, I'm so excited. Like, you're okay with blood though, right? Yeah. Like, but this is great. You're going to watch a nightmare on Elm Street with me. This is, this is, this, this sounds like a great time. Yeah. So. I meet her at her house and <laughs> I'll never forget. So pour a glass of wine. She hits play on the DVD player and it's, I hear that. I'm like, uh, uh, not I, correct. I said, this is uh Friday the 13th. She goes, yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember which one you told me. I was like, what? What? She goes, you like this one too? I'm like, you flip the table. Like I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was like, I remember she could like, hear the air out of the balloon. I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so, you like cartoons, so I got the Flintstone. <laughs> so, but so rewatching this last week, first of all, that was the first thing that popped in my mind. But uh, this is kind of a unique movie in the sense that you know you really don't see the the quote unquote killer till the like last 10, 15 minutes of the movie. No, no, you don't, and that, that's what I really appreciated about this one is. You're left to wonder because you get the stalking from the killer's point of view. You get the fear and the face of the, the victims. You don't get that in this I mean, as much in some of the subsequent ones, but um, it definitely left you with that spooky vibe of who in the hell is actually doing this. It was kind of a, a murder mystery. Yeah, I mean, you you look at there was there was a little like little red herrings and little clues that that would like misdirects if yeah. you will you know yeah. you, the jeep you think the jeep you think it's the it's the guy you know there's all kinds of stuff going on here and i i have to imagine for a first time viewing of this film the first time you're introduced to pamela Voorhees, she comes out and she's so kind oh i'm a friend of the christies and you know he, you know i'm i'm here to help and no there's nothing yeah. and then she you and see her slowly just spiral spirals completely out of yeah. control and and then it's the first reference to the name Jason. But again, we want to emphasize like when watching these movies, like watching for someone who's never watched the Friday, the 13th series, you know, you're just immediately going to assume that if you've never watched these movies, you're going to assume that the POV shots that you're seeing, that's Jason. Yeah. So, and he doesn't even become the killer until the second one. And by the way, spoiler alert for <laughs> every, if you haven't seen it, Friday, the 13th it's film, 41 years old. 42? 42? No. Yeah, 42. 42 42 years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I'm watching this film, I respect it. I respect it for, you know, the practical effects, even though they're pretty intense for me. But that, like we had talked about before, that was a leap forward for slasher films. And it set up the entire decade to just, all right, let's let's see what else we can do before they tell us no. Exactly. And things get bloody from here on out. Yeah, there's, in this series, this series is... Uh, infamous, notorious for battling with the MPAA over yeah. over the rating system. Then several of these movies received X ratings at the time because the NC-17 rating doesn't come out until 1990. So these things are getting X an X rating. And for those who don't know, X rating is a real thing. A triple X rating is not a real thing. That is just <laughs> a uh, a way that uh, adult films would promote themselves. It's not X. It's triple X. So that's not actually an official rating system from the Motion yeah. Picture Association of America. But yeah, you're right. They would skirt it a lot. You know, it's but yeah, I think this this film really introduced gore. Well, this and A Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't think you get the subsequent 
just splatter decade of the 80s and early 90s without this film and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, and then speaking about the gore factor in this particular movie, it has it shares a connection with what was arguably one of the goriest films ever made up until that point, that's 1978's Dawn of the Dead, because you have special effects makeup artist Tom Savini, who does the effects for Dawn of the Dead. He also does the effects for a lot of these Friday the 13th movies. Uh, interesting thing about him, he was supposed to do the special effects for the original Night of the Living Dead, but hmm. got but got drafted. And, oh, no kidding. And, it, and, went, and was in Vietnam. And wow. he credits his time in Vietnam, unfortunately, with some of the things he saw for creating more authentic makeup effects. So, Well, and he was a pretty badass vampire and from dusk till dawn yeah sex machine <laughs> sex machine absolutely did i ever tell you i took a girl on a first date no, in high school not. to, to... <laughs> first oh, of all i just not a first date I, I just movie. it's not a first date because i wanted to point out all right that is a movie that is told in two parts uh-huh you have you have uh tarantino and clooney their brothers trying to escape to mexico after robbing mm-hmm. a bunch of banks and they've killed a bunch of people tarantino's character is a sexual predator i mean this is not a movie to take anyone on a first date he's a weinstein he's a (laughs) it was a weinstein movie (laughs) yep so one of the things i like about this film and and that is gonna basically bode true for the rest of them is the run times on these movies yeah i mean they get in they do their job they get out and you're usually done within an hour and a half which is a rare thing by today's standards well i'll say also too um kind of like what Sally was mentioning at Halloween ends is the score on this one. Yeah. I think it was Harry Manfredini. Yeah. Who yep. did just the sound effects and the score. It made it creepy. That whispery little. Kill, 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 kill. Yeah. No, like, I mean, that's, that's like, it's iconic. Yeah. It's iconic right out of the gate. Yeah. Now for those that are looking for deep dives into these movies, Jason and I are not, uh, we're not, <laughs> we're not claiming to be certified experts on the Friday, the 13th movies. These are more or less just a, a casual conversation. We rewatched all these films. I, I would recommend, uh, I believe, is there a movie that's made us documentary on this or on Netflix? Yeah. On Netflix. Okay. And yeah. there's also a seven hour documentary called mm-hmm. Crystal Lake Memories, which encompasses all the Friday the 13th movies, Friday the 13th movies, all the way up to the 2009 reboot. Wow. Um, and it's narrated by Corey Feldman and it has ca- interviews with cast and crew from every movie. So if you're looking to get, you know, like the fun little tidbits about this movie, I highly recommend you check that out. We're, we're just having a casual Is conversation. That on YouTube? So I watched it. It was on Shudder. Okay. That's how I watched it. It's by the same people that did the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, Never Sleep Again, mm. which is a four-hour documentary, which is a little more digestible. Uh, I've got my friend David Weiner who does the In Search of Films. Those yeah. are four or five hours. That's 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 perfect for me. You get seven hours. Yeah, that's a you're you're not watching that, that in one that's, sitting. Yeah, that's a that's a a weekender. That's a that's, but I, I'm just gonna say you know this first one directed by Sean S. Cunningham, written by Victor Miller. I mean, you've got the numbers in front of you. This mm-hmm. this was this was an anomaly. If you look at Halloween coming out, Halloween does amazing numbers. It has 50, 60, maybe even 100 knockoffs over the next two years. Yep. None of them really hit except for this one. Except this one hits. So we've got um, the budget on this was 550000 just just, you know, almost double what Halloween had. But the cast on this one was probably the cast and the location. I mean, that's. 
that's got to be $300,000 right there. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, so 39 million domestically, 59 million worldwide. That's, 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 I mean, those, those are huge numbers. Yep. And what you're going to do there is you're going to get someone like a Mustafa Akkad who's going to go to Carpenter and be like, we need another Halloween oh, movie yeah. because look, these things are still making money. It's cash cow. And, you know, they get Carpenter and Deborah Hill to, to write a sequel. We've already talked about that in our Halloween franchise retrospective. But Paramount, who distributed this movie, I mean, they made a mint on this oh, thing. Yeah. And, and I like, think, I think too, what the, what kills this formula is you put the emphasis into those first couple, keep the core group together, keep the story together, make it cohesive, make it make sense, you know, give the audience what they want. And then later on, it's just, all right, well, we're, we're making 30, 40 million dollars per movie. Let's spend three million on this. I don't care what the story is. Is he dead? Yeah. Sure. I mean, people were, alive. Bring them back. People were watching these movies for the kills. Yeah. And that's that's why they were watching yep. it. Uh, so in 1981, May 1st, 1981, we do get uh, we get Friday the 13th Part two. No tagline. Just it, the movie picks up uh, according to the official plot synopsis on Wikipedia. It picks <laughs> up two months after the murders at Camp Crystal Lake. Sole survivor Alice Hardy is recovering from her traumatic experience in her apartment. When Alice opens the refrigerator to get her cat some food, she finds the severed head of Pamela Voorhees and is murdered <laughs> with an ice pick to her temple by an unknown assailant. But we all know who the assailant is. Yes. So this is the movie that does introduce Jason Voorhees as the main antagonist of not just this movie, but every Friday, almost Almost, every Friday the 13th movie moving forward. Well, this is where you have to start suspending some of that belief because at the end of one, he's still, I don't know, 14 years old, maybe 15 years old coming out of the lake. And now he's definitely not the same person. Yeah, you're right. So magically growing you know, five ten years listen i watched that happen with the rocky movies yeah rocky two three four five yeah the, each one of those movies takes place one after another and his kid goes from being a five-year-old to sage stallone in in rocky five <laughs> yeah. so he magically grows you know four inches taller and uh 10 years older uh so so we have yeah that so there has been a pattern yeah. established so for that there's, type there's a of- lot of a lot of so, um, buy-in that the audience needs to just. And it's deal interesting. With. It's interesting, but it does say an unknown assailant, so we don't see him, right? Right, because then the plot goes on to say five years later, Paul Holt opens a school for camp counselors on the shore of Crystal Lake. A training school. For a training camp. camp. I mean, <laughs> what happened in the early eighties? Where did you go to camp? I did go to summer <laughs> camp. Was there counselors like this? Uh, they teach you like. All right, let's do archery and then how to get a girl in bed. There was <laughs> where to buy drugs and swimming lessons. I'm trying for the life of me to remember what the name of the summer camp I went to was, but I remember I briefly remember this is in Canada, okay? <laughs> and I remember and where I live in Canada, Nova Scotia, it's like Seattle. It rains 7 6 days a week. Oh, so I just remember it was always raining when I was in summer camp, but one night they had a like they called it like the silly supper where everyone was served a plate of spaghetti, but you had to use an unusual utensil to eat it. <laughs> I remember that. Like I got an egg beater like thing. that. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I just I remember being bored to tears really? at, at I, summer camp. I didn't get along with the kids that I was there with. I always wanted to go, but never had the opportunity. And later on, the more I the more I saw these movies as a kid and. There's no way I wanted to go to summer camp. 
Maybe that's what they're, maybe they're the Netflix of of summer camps. I'd be very curious, and I would ask for the listeners out there to reach out to me if you've ever worked at a summer camp. I'm curious because I can't imagine. Like, okay, you're the people that own it. Maybe you're the manager. Maybe you're making a few bucks on this thing, but I can't imagine that a teenage summer camp counselor is a hugely like high end paying no. job that you have to go to school for. <laughs> I mean, I, we unfortunately the movie didn't last long enough for us to get you know that's classes. A, that's a good point because the maybe it was a three day class. The flashback <laughs> scene with Alice, where we see all the stuff that happened the original Friday the Thirteenth, then the twelve minutes we spend in her apartment takes up. A third of the movie. Yeah. And when we actually get to Paul Holt and opening his camp, I remember checking the time and there was 59 minutes left in the movie. Yep. And yep. I'm like, and you don't see the Jason again until almost an hour into the movie. You're right. It's but like, we do get the exposition scene though. When Paul mm-hmm. is the, when they're sitting around the campfire and he's like, all right, let's just put this to bed. Let's go ahead and talk about Jason still out there. And there's a lot of camp counselors at this school some of them we don't even get to know no just they're just cannon fodder as you would say they're they're red shirts they're they're just the red shirt guys on star trek Rewatching this film i i kind of liked it i kind of enjoyed it i i knew what i was getting myself into the scene where the poor bastard goes gets the uh, machete to the head in the wheelchair and goes down the stairs backwards that's one of the more iconic kills of the entire franchise i'm going man that's the most brutal one i'm like all right the guy's in a wheelchair already you're not going to do anything like you're going to kill him take his head off or you know be real quick that goes on for an absurd amount of time down the stairs it really it really does so and then you you know you have your final girl Okay, so Alice was the final girl in this one. And then in this particular movie, the final girl was Amy Steele. Uh, That was the actress. She played Jenny Field. And this is, you know, we get, like you said, we get glimpses of Jason. He's living out in a a, a shack in the woods. (laughs) Is Ted Kaczynski. It looked looked like it had like two or three bedrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, in this market, it's it's a good $200,000. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) On a lake? Yeah, exactly. It's on a lake. <laughs> We're going to get the road paved at some point out there. I think it's a sound investment. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. I hope he holds on to that. Yeah. You know, it definitely goes so, with the amount of development that's going on in that area. Oh, it's yeah. probably important. Jason, you can, you're going to want to hold on to that, uh, yeah, that can, piece of property. You can Airbnb that. So we find out that it's Jason and he's got a unique look. He's got like a potato sack, not a potato sack. Like a, it looks almost like a bed sheet or a, a pillowcase. It looks like a flower sack. A flower sack like the, with a hole. With a hole. And he manages and, to tie the bottom like, uh, I mean, that's, he, you know what? Here's the thing, Jason, he put some thought into that. Okay. He picked, <laughs> you work with what you got. He picked out, he picked it, picked out the flower sack. Okay. <laughs> he decided which eye he was going to look through. He cuts one hole yep. and he gets a little rope to tie it, to, tie it neatly so the wind doesn't take it right. off when he's running. Just like his mama taught him. I think that's pretty, pretty ingenious. Pretty good. So again, we can start to get introductions with characters you see on screen for five minutes and they're gone. Yep. And then they split the pack up. Half the people go to town. Half the people stay there. You kill the people that stay there when the town people come back. You start knocking them off. I mean, it's yep. just, it was very, it's, what I didn't like is it was very formulaic. I didn't like that when they finally got to the, the last scene with her and the guy who's running the camp, it takes so long to get that final resolution. I mean, it seems like 20 to 25 minutes of, okay, she runs into the bathroom and then he comes through the window and she runs out of the bathroom and then she stabs him. And then 
runs it. I mean, just it goes on and on. I'm like, all right, wrap it up. We do get a lot of that yeah. throughout this entire series. Yeah. But I do want to say, rewatching Scream the other night, that does kind of, that last half an hour of that movie, even Scream, does kind of yeah. drag out a little bit longer, I think. In hindsight, rewatching, I'm like, you know. Could have could have wiped another five ten minutes. Yeah, out of that. I can see where you could make some cuts to this film. Yeah, and then of course we we find that uh, Jason has his mom's head and like a little temple that he's he's built Beautiful with candles. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice shrine. He's put some listen. The guy, he's creative. Like uh, imagine yeah. what he would have done if Pinterest had been around. That's true. In 1981. Yeah, I, I mean think. I think um, his creative side just wasn't nurtured. I mean no. oh, you're at camp there's arts and crafts i mean it's it's just you know what sad it's it's a different direction i I just wonder the movies we would have gotten you know (laughs) if he if he had embraced that creative side a little bit more you know Uh, we would have had like a pbs show like bob ross had yeah i'd love to seen his his shot on tinder (laughs) (laughs) so this movie ends with uh jenny the she she survives yeah Uh, she tricks she puts on the, uh, the, the gross the, ass the gross sweater the sweater that's yeah, yeah standing in front of the head and uh you know she so that's you know jason's gone yep okay so 19 1982 we get the big 3d boom oh you know what we didn't look at the the kill counts for uh for the first two friday the 13th movies so the first one we have jason zero miss Voorhees 10 okay this one we have jason at nine so he's dropped down one Okay. Um, this one made where are we at twenty one point seven million on a little over one point two five million. Sound. That's a sound well, investment. Bad. I mean, sound investment. You know, we're not much marketing back then. So, we're, and we're not we're not in we're not yet at the home video boom yet. So mm-hmm. that's that's still a pretty good haul. But that's probably all they're going to make off that movie initially. Yeah. So the following year. We are going to get the big 3D boom, or yep. the, at least the attempt at uh, a resurgence in 3D. And this has happened a few times. Happened in the 50s, happened in the 80s, and it happened in the 2000s. And I'm so glad. Please don't bring it back. I don't. I don't need it. I remember in 2015 when The Force Awakens came out, and I wanted to see it in IMAX. Did you know that if you wanted to see it at the local Regal IMAX, they were all 3D? Every single one of them was 3D. I want to say, I I don't remember that, but I remember going to see Avatar and the same thing. They're like, you can go see Avatar in 3D. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm going to give Avatar a little credit because Cameron <laughs> intentionally filmed that with 3D IMAX cameras, whereas Force Awakens, like so many of these other movies, were post-converted into 3D. Yeah, it's like, so, but there's, the action sequences in that weren't made for 3D. Correct, so correct. It's just, yeah. But I will say that by the time... Rogue One came out the following year, all of a sudden, no, that was 3D. Uh, no, I will say by the time The Last Jedi came out in 2017, that they had one 2D option throughout really? throughout the day in IMAX and everything else was IMAX 3D, but they did have, because I, I remember going to it. Wow. I went there with my buddy Corey. We actually, this is when I still went to the movies with people. Um, <laughs> so, but we actually watched it, the 2D version, and... And then I remember the year after that was Solo, a Star Wars story. And that mm-hmm. was, uh, and by the time we got to Rise of Skywalker, it was just 2D versions uh, in IMAX. Thank God. Because they looked at the numbers. The numbers didn't lie. People, yeah. more people were going to the 2D version. So I say all this because 
you know, at, at that time, 3D is a far more advanced than what, what it was in the 1980s. Back then, you you know, the cameras were big. You had to wear the red and blue glasses. <laughs> and it was all about sight gags. It yeah. really wasn't about depth perception. It yeah. wasn't about field of depth. It was, not, it, was, it was about shit coming out and, you know, flying in your face. Well, and I think this one did that too. However, it did it in a very smart way. So, like, the, the yo-yo scene. Yeah. That... Knowing that it was made for 3D, you see why they're doing that, but it's still also a very smart scene. I mean, there's a lot of camera angles on this that if they weren't planning on 3D, you wouldn't have them, but they work in 2D. Yeah, you're right. Really well. Because the yo-yo scene is literally some guy laying on the ground with the camera, and the guy's (laughs) doing a yo-yo right to the camera, which I imagine probably looked pretty wild in 3D. I mean, there's a couple gory parts. There's a part where the guy gets his head squeezed and his eyeball flies off, and that eyeball's flying right at you. Yeah. So um, this movie is significant for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's the first Friday the 13th movie I saw. Okay. Uh, number two, it scared the shit out of me. I mean, I might have been 10 or 11 years old watching it with my buddy uh, at a sleepover. And I remember I was so scared after I watched it that I went home. And I lived, I lived three doors down. And at four in the morning, I decided like, to walk home. And I was more, I was like, I shouldn't have left. I shouldn't have left. And I remember get there and my sister, I, I knocked, I knocked on my sister's door and she's like, why is it I just saw Friday the 13th? And she's she like, come on, you know, so, but it's also, uh, Friday the 13th part three, along with being 3D, along with being, you know, the third film in this franchise, it is the movie which fully embraces Jason is now going to be our, our franchise killer. Yep. And we are going to get the, Signature appearance of the hockey mask. Yes. About one hour in, you finally see it. And that's when you go, aha, there it is. There it is. We finally made it. It only took three years. But, you know, again, this goes to show like they they just kind of kept making these movies and things that were stuck. Yeah. Like, I guess we're going to run with that because yeah. admittedly, it looks pretty badass. Well, and he needed a mask. And, I mean, when you finally do see his face, I can't remember. Is this the first one? You get a good look at his face. Yeah, absolutely. When you just go, oh yeah, you need that mask. Mm. Like, but it, it, but it's a, yeah. it really is a signature look for him, yeah. and it's pretty badass. Oh yeah, and 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 it's interesting because we didn't really touch on it too much in the Halloween retrospective, but the masks are all over the place yeah. in that franchise. The masks are subtly different in this one, but I think the majority of them look pretty good. Jason X, not so much. Yeah. But um, we'll get to that one at some point. This being the first Friday the 13th movie that I saw, I have a little bit of nostalgia for it. Rewatching it, it's clear that the movie was probably a little more enjoyable seeing it in 3D. But I had fun with it. And and it has bizarre characters like the biker gang that just comes Uh, out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, this is is where you really just start introducing just supplementary characters that are there to die. Yeah. Absolutely. Just one dimensional. That's it. But you give them a little something to work with there, because yeah. that whole scene when they're at the store and then <laughs> Shelly decides to run the beetle over the bikes. Uh, Shelly, uh, that poor guy. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he need a little more confidence, buddy. Well, and I think I, f- I forget who was, was saying it, um, but with I think it was Bill in Friday the Thirteenth. This is where you get your first real comic relief character yeah. in a horror movie, and they keep it up, and sometimes not to the best of. What uh, what numbers do you have for uh, for part three? Three D three. So we have got on a two point two five million dollar budget. So they they doubled the budget thirty six million dollars. 
you, that's pretty good. But I got it. Actually, obviously, it's better than part two did. But I have to think that the reason why the budget was doubled because for a production standpoint, it looks exactly the same. Oh, yeah. But it's got to be because of the 3D cameras that yeah. they use. I'm sure that that just factored in a lot more yeah, cost. Because, I mean, and the post-production on it probably would cost, I'll probably double it. So, And there's a couple scenes in town, but for the majority, it's the barn and the house, and that's pretty much it. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I like the movie. It's fine. It was, it was the last of the ones that I really enjoyed. Okay, interesting. Because for me, after this, this is where you just have to start suspending your your belief and as Sally would like me to use her favorite word, a little farcical. It's a little farcical. Absolutely. We, by the way, we're going to get shirts that, that, that are made that say, that say it's so farcical. It's so farcical. Okay. We're going to get those made. (laughs) So it should be noted that part two, three, and four, um, are, have continuity. Yes. Okay. So each one picks up exactly where the last one left off. So when part three ends, Jason's dead in a barn and the coroners come. And this is the first time you really see a large police presence. And they're like, oh my God, all these people died. Jason's taken to the morgue. Yep. The morgue is run by Fackler from Police Academy, <laughs> who's watching uh, nearly X rated uh, uh, aerobics videos. Yeah, which there's a s- lot of thrusting in that video. I have seen those in other movies. Apparently, that was a thing in the 80s. That huh. was like it was on like. Uh, oh. Showtime or Cinemax or something. It was like hard and big socks and yeah, just... sexy workouts or something right. like that. Float your boat. Jason is not dead. He's just, he gets out of the morgue. He heads back to Crystal Lake. We are introduced to Tommy Jarvis for the first time, played by a very young Corey Feldman, who's just in the beginnings of his career. Um, he is known for being, uh, he creates these Halloween masks or these masks. Yeah. You know, he's very creative. And it's just, you know, excuses to introduce these this is his family actually lives there yes they have a house there and then the house next to them is rented out by you guessed it a group of Uh, rowdy teenagers bunch of horny teenagers and one of them being crispin glover yes do we we want to do the dance or i mean we have to talk about the (laughs) dance just for a moment so if if there's got to be a clip online if you haven't seen um friday the 13th part four the final chapter there is a scene involving Crispin Glover doing a dance. It might be one of the single greatest things I've ever seen in cinema. Yes. Of course, I'm being facetious when I say that, but it's pretty spectacular. Well, it, he's yeah. making a choice, Jason. And the reason I like it so much is that is how I just naturally dance. Yeah. yeah. Um, so whenever I think about, you know, cutting a rug, I just, I'm just going to remember that scene for the rest of my life. It that, made you feel more comfortable watching the movie. You said, you know what? Oh, I'm yeah. not by myself. There are yeah. other people there that have those kind of moves. <laughs> I know you've been waiting to hear back from the producers of America's Got Talent. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, I'm, I'm pulling for you on that one. Okay. They build as the final chapter. And maybe yeah. at the time we thought it was, but it's a nice way to get asses in the seat in the, in, in the theater. It's not great. It's not. It doesn't have a hook. Like, okay. Part three had the 3D hook. Part three had a little bit more out there characters. Let me tell you what I find interesting. Okay. So you look at the characters from part three. Okay. And they could be best described as kind of an average-looking group. You got a couple attractive people. You got a yeah. couple people that are a little bit more normal. I'm guessing I'm going to say it's normal, but there's kind of everyone's represented. Yeah. Moving forward in this series, you're kind of going to get, you know, the 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 typical stereotypical high school set of, you know, everyone's yeah. good looking. Yeah, blonde or brunette, big boobs. Yeah. Likes to have sex and wander off in the woods. A lot of skinny dipping. 
lot of skinny dipping in this one. Yeah. A lot of lot of skinny dipping in this yeah. movie. As a movie that's billed as the final chapter, I remember <sighs> watching it just going uh, like, "If that's the final entry, you- yeah." But the movie did okay. But this is the point where I um, I want to talk about Siskel and Ebert for a moment. So yes. if you were into film review, like I know I was, and I know you were. Uh, you had Siskel and Ebert had a syndicated show that you could watch every week. They had columns that you unfortunately would have to subscribe to the newspapers to read because there was no internet. They were unnecessarily hard on these Friday the 13th movies. They hated them. And I'm going to play a little clip of them talking about the final chapter. Our next movie is Friday the 13th, the final chapter, an immoral and reprehensible piece of trash that sold more tickets on its opening weekend than any other movie so far in 1984. And that is a very, very depressing commentary. It really makes me sad to think of all those moviegoers spending four and a half, five bucks, most of them teenage kids, sitting there watching this sad, cynical, depressing movie. Now, needless to say, Paramount Studios, the distributor of this film, didn't authorize any clips of the film for use on television. They like to make the money, but maybe they're a little bit ashamed of the movie. They like to hide it from critics like ourselves. But here are some scenes from the coming attractions trailer showing that the fourth Friday the 13th movie is just a cynical retread of the first three. Three times before, you have felt the terror, known the madness, lived the horror. But this is the one you've been screaming for. Friday, the 13th, the final chapter. Jason is back. Yeah, real great. Uh, Jason, you can't hear him, you can't see him, he hardly even breathes. He's the latest word in leading men from the geniuses at Paramount Pictures. You get the idea. Friday the 13th, the final chapter, is 90 minutes of teenagers being strangled, stabbed, impaled, chopped up, and mutilated. That's all this movie is, is just mindless, bloody violence. And just think of the message this film offers to its teenage audience. The world is a totally evil place, this movie says. It'll kill you. It doesn't matter what your dreams and hopes and ambitions are. It doesn't matter if you have a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend or you've got plans for the future. You can forget those plans because you're going to wind up dead. There is literally nothing else in this movie. And the sickest thing is, this isn't the final chapter. That's just an advertising gimmick. The ending clearly sets up a sequel. And what I want to know is, I wonder if they're going to be heartless and cynical enough to make the sequel, because why not? They've already taken the bucket to the cesspool four times for this sludge. I think the people who made this, who made this movie ought to be ashamed of themselves, and that's what I think, Gene. Yeah. And I'm going to vote no. <laughs> I had a feeling you might. My God, they did not like that movie. <laughs> they did not at all. And, you know, on the original one, I remember reading somewhere that Gene Siskel actually posted Betsy Palmer, Miss Voorhees' address in one of the reviews telling people to write to her about how these movies were so detrimental. Wow. I mean, Boy, I tell you, you couldn't get away with that today. No. Oh, my God. That's that's dox. That's the first example of someone being doxxed. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. The final chapter goes on. Uh, the numbers, what, do you num- what numbers do you have for it? Uh, so deaths. We, so we on uh, number three, there were 12 deaths. 12 deaths. Okay. I'm going to say deaths on, on this one. It being the final chapter, it being Friday the, quote, 13. Gotta go big. I'm gonna go ahead and say that this movie has 13 deaths. That is 
100 percent correct. And I don't think that was a coincidence. No. I think that was by design. So this one they have upped the budget. We're now at two point six million. Okay, um, but only brought in a little less than thirty three million. I do want to say, uh, if I'm going to give this film credit. Okay, I do want to say that I think the production value on this movie was noticeably improved over the last three. It, it looked it looked like they had more money to work with on the on this yeah, film. Sets I, were better. Sets were better. Dialogue was better. Cinematography was better. Yeah. So I mean, I don't want to just negatively bash this movie. I mean, it's it's certainly a watchable horror film. Oh yeah. But yeah. we're just discussing all of them. So. But but I will say when I finished this movie, I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to keep going. I don't know if I want to keep doing. Well, this. I I just remember that after this is where where it gets farcical. Yeah, I just remember I remember him coming back to life so many times and just thinking that this is not going to be good. So and they they drag less but. than a year later. Paramount releases Friday the Thirteenth: A New Beginning also known as Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. According to Wikipedia, this is a 1985 slasher film directed by Danny Steinman. Okay, it's the fifth installment in the Friday the 13th franchise set years after the events of Friday the 13th, the final chapter. The story follows a teenage Tommy Jarvis who is institutionalized at a halfway house near Crystal Lake because of nightmares of mass murderer Jason Voorhees, whom he killed as a child. Tommy must face his fears when a new hockey mask wearing murderer initiates another violent killing spree in the area. I would like to say right off the bat <laughs> that halfway through this movie, I started texting you. Yes. And I said, Jason, I kind of love this movie. And then I sent you the Rotten Tomatoes score of 18%. This movie was so over-the-top absurd. I find this movie to have incredibly memorable characters. <laughs> I remember more about... I realized when I was watching this movie that I remembered more about Part 5 than I think any of the other Friday the 13th movies. See, I mean, I, I, I would agree with you on that, but only because of how bad it was to me. See, I think this movie was fully embracing what it was wanting to be. An batshit crazy slasher film. Yeah. I, this would be, to me, this is the Rob Zombie entry of the Friday the 13th. I mean, can we just talk about the one scene where the guys had the enchilada and he's looking for the outhouse? And there's How just much that poop is in this movie. Yeah. Th there's just a singing, there's just a song that they do, him and his girl. She's standing outside the outhouse. All right, we have to play that right now, real quick. Yeah. Hold on. Up, demon, you'll feel a lot better after you shit. <laughs> I feel a lot better when I'm out of here. This shit box is gross. Well, you better watch out for the snake that's gonna crawl up that crapper and bite your ass. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. Hey, girl, what's up? Ooh, baby. 
telling you that. That's great. That's so. Uh, yeah. Well, then at the beginning part of it, too, you get the guys in the hot rod yeah. that break down, and he's like, oh, fix the fucking car. I'm going to go take a crap. I know. Like, you're in the middle of the woods. What are you, where are you going? You, you know what? I can't believe. I, I, I refuse to believe that that is the only take that they did. Ugh. At what point do you think the director would be like, just say you're taking a piss. Yeah. Take, I got to go pee. Okay. If somebody, if, if, yeah. if you and I were in a car driving somewhere, and the car broke down, and we're in the middle of the woods, and I went, hey, Jason. Get a second, see if you can figure out what's wrong. I'm going to go take a piss. You'd have been like, cool. If I would have said, if I would have said, hey, Jason, take a look at it. I'll be back in a minute. I got to go take a shit. <laughs> you would have looked at me like what, I was fucking what, crazy. You, like, where, do you have toilet paper? Where, where, where are you going? <laughs> You'd have been like. Only at Crystal Lake. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but I fully embrace the movie. Yeah. There, there's the one scene where the waitress at the diner, Lana, she's getting ready to hang out with the with the coked up EMT and for no reason whatsoever just opens up her shirt to herself in the yep. mirror. Like, it's Dude. so And that insane. whole scene could have been cut. Yeah. You could have lost that entirely and you don't. It was don't so insane. Yeah. And, but for some reason... I was buying into it because what other crazy characters do you have in this movie? You got the poor kid, Joey, oh, the, who, who, who just wants to help the everybody. Chocolate bar. The chocolate bar. And he's like, he's like, can I help you do the laundry? And he goes over to the one guy, who the, f- the, can we talk about this halfway house? You given these guys axes just to chop blocks of wood to release stress? Yeah. And he, uh, hold on. I, hold on, I, I got to get the guy's name. Hold on one second. Like, I know you've got mental issues. I just need the guy's name. Hold on a second. Uh, Vic? No, it wasn't Vic. Was Vic was the guy chopping wood? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Joey's just like, "Hey, Vic, I've never chopped wood before. That looks so. That was like a fun." And Vic's like, "Get out of here! Get the fuck away from me!" <laughs> We're just like, I mean, "What kind of? Yeah. What kind of half? I'm of course." When you meet the guy who runs the place, he's kind of like, we're, we're a little different. We're off the beaten path. You know, right. it's a holistic healing type of place. There's probably feng shui set up all throughout the house. And but other than the cook, was there any other staff out there? No, it's just the cook <laughs> with his grandson. Yeah. Just hanging out. Yeah. But that whole seems, I've never chopped wood before. That looks like a lot of fun. I'm like, what am I watching? This is yeah. the greatest thing. And he just turns around and axes him. And then when the paramedics show up, Ten minutes into the movie, you instantly know who yes. the killer is. Yep, they made that abundantly clear. But I thought I'm like rewatching this this time. I didn't, I didn't remember that, and I'm like, oh, this is a, like a dream sequence, or, right? You know, he's hallucinating. I'm like, oh no, they just did that. Okay, and then what does everybody do? Not go, to, not go to your rooms, and let's we'll talk no. about this in group later. It's no. like, let's sit on the stairs and watch the dead body. I know what he's in. Pieces too. That's, you see a shot. You see a shot where Joey's on the ground, but his arm is like clearly twisted in the wrong direction, like it's on laying on top of his back. I'm I mean, just like, <laughs> and then yeah. that paramedic, the other one, he's like, "What's wrong, Roy? Afraid to get your hands dirty?" He's like chewing gum. He's like, "Pussy." I'm like, what the fuck? You're an EMT. You're supposed to have compassion. This yeah. kid's just been killed. Uh, okay, no, for this reason. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I'm kind of some type of morbid cry, morbid guy. I was loving this movie. And then can we just talk about the batshit crazy lady, Ethel? Oh. All right. Who's and gonna, the guy who shows up to clean the shit out of her chicken yeah, coop? Just like, shows up at a house. Random. Just, random, just looking for work. one more victim. Just clean the shit out of the chicken coop and I'll I mean, feed you. And then she's got her son who's clearly doing a Randy Quaid impression. <laughs> it gets, and he gets <laughs> telling you, it's the most batshit movie. Uh, it, I will give you that for the for the... The most aberrant 
entry into the series, this is probably pretty close to it. I think it has the most memorable characters. I'm not yeah. saying good, but just certainly the most memorable characters. That, that girl yeah. who gets the gardening shears in the head. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So I, I, I don't think we're actually going to rank these movies unless you've already done your ranking. Uh, for me, it's I think it's – Two, one, three, and then after that, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay, so this this one right here, I'd have to really think about it. This one's probably is easily top three for me yeah. of the thirteen films. So this movie is savaged by critics. Ooh, it's it, it doesn't. What 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 numbers does it do? Because so, it's, it's a um, new beginning. Drop the budget down. We're at two point two now. We just lost four hundred thousand. Okay, and they come in uh, just a hair under twenty two million. Still, that's not bad. No. Nope. I mean, that's the thing. This it's is not bad. Maker. I mean, that's 10 times your return. And, and, and at this point, marketing. you know, 84, 85, this point, the home video market is, uh, is, is really starting to fire up. You've got blockbuster videos opening up. I mean, so, so there's yeah. money to be made in the ancillary markets. I mean, uh, it, it was when you had a horror movie, if you were a studio with a horror movie, you really couldn't do much with it because you couldn't do an edited for TV version because these things were only 90 minutes long. Yep. You couldn't put it on an airplane. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, remember back in the day, oh, when yeah, you, when, it was, when, it was a group it was yeah, like watching the theater. You didn't have like your own little individual screen on the back of the headrest in front yeah. of you. You had a screen that came down, and the whole movie would watch. And I remember my sister telling me one time that she was on a flight uh, in the early '90s, and they put on the movie When Harry Met Sally, <laughs> and they cut the cat's deli scene <laughs> out of the movie. How will you know what she's going to have? I know. <laughs> so, so the studios like Paramount, like you see the twenty-something million. That's only part of the return because these movies are making a mint in the yeah. home video rental record, uh, in the home video market. They're making a ton of money. So that being said, now we're going to get to uh, one that is now very near and dear to my heart. And that is going to be released on August 1st, 1986. And that is Friday the 13th, part six. Jason lives. Let's let's go a little bit about the uh, what we got here on Wikipedia here. Friday oh, wait, the, before we do that. Yeah. Kill count. Kill count on five. Kill count on five. High. High. I'm going to say 16. 19. 19. Yeah. Almost I, at 20. I, I, I say that as definitely. Zach, does that include Roy? Yep. Okay. So for those, we didn't really talk about it, but Jason Voorhees is not the killer in part right. five. It's Roy. Yep. Jason doesn't make an appearance at all. So 1986, we get Friday the 13th, part six, Jason lives. And this goes on to say Friday the 13th, part six, Jason lives. Stylized on screen as Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, Part 6, is a 1986 American slasher film written and directed by Tom McLaughlin, starring Tom Matthews, my man, met him in person earlier this year. He was here for the horror movie convention. Oh, that's right, yeah. It was him and Felissa Rose and Dave Sheridan. They yeah. came into the restaurant, and right. uh, yeah, he was cool, super tall. Yeah. Really tall, like, a, like shockingly tall. He's probably <laughs> like six foot three, six oh, foot four. He's really tall. Huh. Very quiet, very unassuming. You know, when I said, what would you like to drink? He goes, you know, Dana, I'll just take a uh, Belvedere martini extra dirty with some blue cheese olives if you can make that happen. I said, you got it, my friend. No problem. <laughs> then, I, then I had to go back and be like, so no if we don't have olives. Belvedere, no. what's your second choice? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's say uh, it is the sixth installment in the Friday the 13th franchise and the last one to feature Tommy Jarvis. As a protagonist, continuing on from the events of Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, the plot follows Tommy after he accidentally resurrects mass murderer Jason Voorhees while attempting to destroy his body to ensure he will not return. While Jason returns to Crystal Lake for another killing spree, 
Tommy must overcome his fear of the mass killer that has haunted him for years and find a way to stop him once and for all. And this opening bothers the fuck out of me because he just he's just <sighs> driving with his buddy from yeah. the institution, clearly, because he says, we got to get back to the home. So he's yeah. still in the institution. He's bit. He's buried in the ground. You got to. Uh, this, is, this is where this is where it loses me. Well, this is where the movie goes super uh, goes on a, a big time supernatural. Level. This yep. is where Jason's no longer even like human in yep. any case. He's, he's, he's supernatural. Yeah, he's a fucking Terminator at and, this point. Uh, you know, I would have preferred a um, Weekend at Bernie's two where there's some voodoo involved because just a good old fashioned lightning strike to bring him back to life. But I, I am mean, gonna. But I'm gonna say this. Like I am gonna say. For all that, this one has some pretty over-the-top moments as well. It does. I mean, yes. there's some – this is the one with the uh, – is this the – I say I get it all mixed up. This is the one with the, the people doing the the paintball, yep. right? And the, the, the triple decapitation. Oh, yep. there's some crazy shit in here. This, I think this is also the one where they break the fourth wall at some point. I'm sure. I mean, like – there's a scene where they're uh, oh that whole scene with the uh, with the Winnebago with the RV yeah oh pushing that, her face in yes it. I'm telling you like there's some there's there's some over the top what is the budget on this movie so the budget on this one it has to be higher higher than the uh, other ones we're at three million okay all right well that's pr- actually that's pretty impressive because there's a lot going on in there's this a movie lot, a lot of characters in this one a lot too. a lot of characters I mean, a whole lot there's kids in there they, there's actually kids at the camp for yeah, once yeah. it took us six movies but we've gotten <laughs> actually got the children at the, the summer doors. camp they finally opened the doors <laughs> yeah this movie's batshit crazy yeah. um it's not five in the sense that it's like what did i just see it has a uh kind of a cohesive narrative and an interesting ending you know that's it's cool come on jason i'm over here come on come on come on so um yeah, I like six. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible. Um, it was for me. It wasn't as bad as five, but not not the best. I mean, I I I need some reasoning behind it. Like if he's all of a sudden gonna be supernatural, you know, give me the the thorn trilogy from Halloween or something sure. that just I can buy into. I, I will say this. I'm watching Friday the 13th, 4, 5, and 6 before I'm watching Halloween 4, 5, and 6. Yes, true. Every day of the week. Every day of the week. Um, I liked I liked 5. I mean, I like 6. Kill count. Oh, all right. I'm, I'm going to go up here. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go 22. Actually went down by 1 to 18. 18. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Um, but the other thing that's interesting on this, the Rotten Tomatoes uh, overall score, 50%. That's not bad. It's not bad for a Friday the 13th. When five was at eighteen percent. Well, this this Friday the Thirteenth movie has the damn James Bond opening oh, sequence yeah. where he throws the machete. Like <laughs> I, 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 I kind of respect this movie because I think it's really fully embracing what it is. I think it's I think it's almost a satire of what the movies were. Yeah, and the pacing is so much faster. Yeah, oh, yeah. Than previous. I mean, it the run just a lot of walking around waiting. Runtime for this movie with credits, which take four minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm is 86 minutes this is essentially an 80 minute movie yeah i mean that's nothing yeah you've got to get in there and get to business like there's (laughs) you're right i think that's great now we're gonna go we're gonna jump ahead two years okay from 86 they're gonna take a year off they're gonna come back with friday the 13th part seven the new blood and i gotta tell you all right i know terry kaiser's in this movie but let me just go ahead and read the uh What I've been doing here. Okay, so Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, is a 1988 American slasher film directed by John Carl 
Blusher and starring Lar Park Lincoln. What is with these names? <laughs> and is and Kate and is the first appearance of Kane Ho- Kane Hodder as Jason, a role he would reprise in three subsequent films. It is the seventh installment in the Friday the 13th franchise set years after the events of Friday the 13th Part 6 Jason Lives. The plot follows psychokinetic teenage girl Lincoln who is who unwittingly releases Jason from his tomb at the bottom of Crystal Lake, allowing him to go on another killing spree in the area. Okay, I'm just going to say this for the record. I hate that. I don't hate any movie. There's a lot of movie that listen, there's so many people that there's so much work that goes into the movie. So I don't want to say I hate this movie. I was bored to tears in this movie. Uh, this you go from six, which is five and six, which are so over the top, like ridiculous. This one tries to be a little bit more grounded. You're going to introduce the psychic element. I know <sighs> Terry Kaiser's in it. He's probably one of the more accomplished actors to be in this entire yeah. franchise. I barely got through this movie. Yeah. And I remember I remember watching this one when I was a kid on HBO and even then thinking, so she brought him back from the dead and she's psychic, telekinetic, pyrotechnic. Yeah. She can and move things, but they apparently can bring people back from the dead. Yeah. So, yeah, it, this one it just I, I started watching it, and I, it was the same thing. I'm like, I've got to push to get through this one because I remember how bad it is, and it is bad. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Actually, I went to go look at my notes for this, and I didn't even write any. Yeah. Well, no, there's no notes, but but this is where you're going to start to see. Some diminishing returns oh, on yeah. the investment. So, uh, but let me say the kill count on this one. I'm just going to randomly say 14, 15, 15. Okay. And what are the numbers? Um, surprisingly, they made made this for 2.8 million, and it grossed 19. Okay, well that's the same as previous, but that's interesting. Like these are, but you got to figure it's it's probably 10 million to market these movies. Maybe oh, yeah. maybe even 15 to market these. So they're breaking even at breaking even breaking even at best yeah and so paramount is just like all right we got it we've got to really stir things up we got we need we kind of need a gimmick all right and the initial i did a little research on this and the initial idea after 88's the new blood was freddy versus jason yep there has a couple writers came to them and said listen we need to get these two because 88 you've got dream master has come out and it was a rights issue. New Line had the rights, and they couldn't agree on it. And that's something that's going to be the entire 90s. They're going to be back and forth on it. Yeah. So it's time for a gimmick. And the gimmick. <laughs> Vacation. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This movie, not as advertised. <laughs> nope. Watch the trailer. Not as advertised. Of course, we are talking about 1989's Friday the 13th, Part 8. Jason Takes Manhattan. It is a 1989 American slasher film written and directed by Rob Hedden, starring Jensen Daggett and Kane Hodder as Jason Voorhees, reprising his role from the Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood. It is the eighth installment in the Friday the 13th franchise, set several years after New Blood. By the way, the time jumps that these movies are making, we should be into like the 2030s by this point. <laughs> That's how we yeah. get to Jason X. Yeah, set several years after the after the New Blood. The film follows Jason as he stalks a group of high school graduates on a ship en route, en route to New York City. It was the final film in the series to be distributed by Paramount Pictures in the United States until 2009, 
with the subsequent installments being distributed by New Line Cinema. And we will talk about this, but there's one more line I want to put here. Uh, one more line I want to read here. Filming took place primarily in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with additional photography in New York's Times Square and in Los Angeles. At the time of the production, Jason Takes Manhattan was the most expensive film in the series with a budget over $5 million. Mm-hmm. But what do I mean when I say this movie is not as advertised? <laughs> okay. Okay, look, I get it. You want to use Vancouver to duplicate New York, whatever. No one's going to buy that, but no. okay. There's only like one time scene or Times Square shot, yeah. and that's it. That's it. But the fact of the matter is, this is not Jason Takes Manhattan. This is nope. Jason Takes a Boat, and by the end of the movie... Ends up in Manhattan. Ends up somewhere that looks like Manhattan. Uh, I did do a little bit more research on this film, and they had some grandiose plans for this film, but the, with the budget wasn't there. They yeah. was going to. They obviously they wanted to film this movie in New York. The scene with the boxer where he gets his, you know, where, take your best shot. Yeah, uh, that would they want to film that in a boxing ring in Madison, Madison Square, Square Garden. Garden. They wanted to have the final <clears throat> epic fight with Jason take place on the Statue of Liberty and something to do with the now, World see, that Trade Center. That would have yeah, been, but grandiose enough. But they to, didn't have. The they money. couldn't do it on a five million dollar budget. Yeah. So, uh, what you get here is a movie that, at this point, I'm I'm checked out, and I saw this. You know, I saw this in the '90s, and I'm just like, it's just, it's not it's good. Bad. It's and not. It's not. It's he the, comes back again this time. Again, electricity apparently is yeah. his. And, and and how like like somebody? You know, I love the opening theme song. Don't get me wrong. The song that plays at the beginning of the opening credits is pretty badass. But then all of a sudden, it's like you get these kids in a yacht yeah. in Crystal Lake, a mini yacht, and I was like, how are you? What's, how are you getting that in the lake? Secondly. And, how do you know all about Jason? Like, it's isn't like, there a warning somewhere? Like, yeah. hey, he's still here. Yeah, I had imprisoned him. Try not to get any electrical wires next to him. I just want to know how you got the boat <laughs> from the lake to the ocean. That's what I'm trying to understand. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about suspending disbelief? <laughs> I mean, you're you're completely suspending disbelief on this. By the time they finally get to New York, it is trying to be so stereotypical of what they think New York is. Clearly, they didn't spend any time there because it's nothing but heroin addicts (laughs) and rude waitresses at coffee shops (laughs) and people, you know, people just being assholes, you know, and I don't like this movie, Jason. Nope. Let's just do the numbers on this one. All right. So Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, Yes. Rotten Tomatoes score. 15. 11. Yeah, our 11. 11. Our numbers on it, so they had $5 million budget, and it grossed a whopping $14 million. Yeah, so it lost money. When yep. you factor in marketing, that movie lost the, that lost money. And our body count was 18 on this one. 18? All so right. All right. Decent body count. Paramount's going to go ahead and wash their hands I'm out. Uh, of of the uh, intellectual property rights of, of the character of Jason Voorhees. All right. But they're going to retain the rights to the Friday the 13th name. All right. So kind of like what uh, what happened with the Child's Play series. So you notice that there are Child's Play movies for the first three. And then all of a sudden it is Curse of Chucky, Bride yeah. of Chucky and all that stuff because I think it's MGM still holds the rights. Don Mancini holds the rights to the character of Chucky. So it's uh, so. Paramount was smart enough to uh, to sell the rights to the character of Jason, but retain the Friday the 13th title. So I say all this because in 19... They're going to take a four-year break. And in 1993, coming off the... I don't even want to say modestly, but <laughs> it made money. The Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Yeah. 
It made money. It had a little 3D gimmick in it as well. They're going to go ahead and do Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. Guess what? This is now the second movie that is the final movie in the trilogy. I mentioned, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, my friend Ian and I, right before I moved from Canada to the United States, we rented all nine or excuse me, all eight of the Friday the 13th movies and watch them over a you know, six That's or seven cool. day period. It was kind of just an interesting bonding experience. So in 1993, I moved to Tennessee. I'm 15 years old. I moved there in July. This movie comes out in August. So I this actually becomes the first, quote unquote, Friday the 13th movie I saw in the theater. Well, if you were going for Jason, you got Corey Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. If you're going for Jason... They just blew him up in the first five minutes. Literally blow him up Literally. in the first five minutes. And oh, it's no. like Kane Hodder Kane is playing Jason again. I remember like, he looked badass. I'm oh, just yeah. sorry. He looked great yeah. in that. And just the way that the, the skin is just his whole face. Like the mask is just now part of him. You can't yeah. even take the skin as overgrown. Like it just looks wild. Well. So it turns out what makes Jason Jason is his black heart and worm like consistency yeah yeah um, and the which, only the only one that can kill a Voorhees is a Voorhees yep yeah, yeah. um i mean and you got the scene where the coroner just takes a bite out of the heart uh, uh, yeah and everybody knows who jason Voorhees is by this point so yes. I, I give this credit this is a world where like you get like a current affair type you know sleazy news broadcast and they're they're like following yeah, they you know, say that there's 83 confirmed victims and scores of others unaccounted for. Unaccounted for. So we live in a world where everyone knows who Jason so Voorhees is. 83 kills. So. And, of course, we need to blow him up and eat his heart. Yeah. And then but um, basically what you get is the, 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 the essence of Jason. The life force of Jason just gets passed from person to person. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I watched it. I watched it again. It's, I mean, uh, what's the budget on this thing? Uh, budget on this was three million. No. Yep. Three million. Yep. They made this movie for three million dollars. All right. Can I just me, say something positive about me, this movie? Let me verify. Hang on. But uh, if that is the case, I'd like to say something extremely positive about the movie. Because this is 1993, by the way. Okay. This is. Oh, I just pulled it up on here. On mine, it says the same thing. Three million. Yeah. Yeah. So this is 1993. Three million does not go as far as it did in the 80s. Mm-mm. Okay. And so I just want to say this movie looks fantastic for three million for bucks. three million bucks. My hats off to the cinematographer. My hats off to the production designers. All people involved. This movie looks Artillery great. Artillery. Yeah. Fighters. The FBI agents. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jason go to hell. Jason goes to hell. The final Friday is a 1993 American supernatural slasher film directed by Adam Marcus. It is produced by Sean S. Cunningham. It is the ninth installment of the Friday, the 13th franchise and stars John DeLumay, and Kane Hodder as Jason, the latter reprising his role from the previous two films. It is the first film in the series to be distributed by New Line Cinema, set after the events of set, set years after the events of Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight. Jason takes Manhattan. The film follows Jason's spirit as it possesses various people to continue his killing after his death. In order to resurrect himself, Jason must find and possess a member of his bloodline. But he can't. But he can also be permanently killed by one of his surviving relatives using a magical dagger. What the fuck are we uh, even talking about? Yeah. This like, is this is the what jump the we, shark moment. What are we talking about? Okay. Yeah. All right. I I will say and then that the, when he gets, when he does the 
well, does it have to be alive, Voorhees? It's like, <laughs> oh, God, what? Like, I, I, I did like uh, Creighton Duke, the bounty hunter. I, I did I did appreciate that. Like, that was fine. Like, this, you know, Richard Grant as as the coroner. He's he's credited as Phil the coroner. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I saw this when I was 15 years old in the theater. And as a 15-year-old, I can tell you that it kept my interest the yeah. entire time. But for a movie literally called Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, you, you want – you're missing – you know, you're missing the key ingredient. You're, hell in there. You, you need, you're, you're missing Jason. Yeah. Um, but I will say one of the first movies to ever have what I'll call a stinger, and that is when the demons take Jason down and his mask is just there and all of a sudden Freddy's glove comes up sp- – creating makes it worth it in the laugh yeah yeah and that that you know creates rumors that for 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 the next literally 10 years they're wanting one so this movie what did it make it made 15.9 million yeah so on a three million i know they spent a lot on marketing so better than eight and the uh body count body count on this one oh that's interesting is it above 20 nope no okay uh, 15 19 19 okay so they right. stay pretty consistent with that night so starting at five it's 19 18 15 18 19 okay we're gonna take a nine year should have taken more should have taken more should have taken more we're gonna get to jason x x the roman numeral oh. for 10 everyone jason 10 is a 2002 American science fiction slasher film directed by jim isaac written by todd farmer and starring lexi Dewey, Dewey, Lexi, D- <laughs> and starring Kane Hodder in his fourth and final cinematic appearance as Jason Voorhees. It is the 10th installment in the Friday the 13th franchise. The first one since 1993's Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. Uh, this film takes place many years. <laughs> it says in the film, Jason is cryogenically frozen for 445 years and awakens in the year 2455 after being found by a group of students who he subsequently stalks and kills one by one all right so this movie had what kind of budget did we this thing have um so the budget on this one 14 million good god i'm gonna tell you right now the three million (laughs) dollar jason goes to hell movie just cinematography wise looks better than this thing this thing looks like all respect to bruce willis this looks like one of these Bruce Willis films that came out over the past two years. Ones that are set in space. Yep. All respect to Bruce Willis. Direct to video. Okay. Just garbage. This thing is. And I'll, I'll be honest, I couldn't rewatch it. No. I on the other ones, I think I've rented a couple. I bought a couple because they were like on the four ninety nine bin. Yeah. This was um this was own it for nine ninety nine or rent it for like five ninety nine. I'm like. I'm not doing either. Yeah. <laughs> I, you're not getting my money for this one. So I haven't, I've, I haven't seen this probably since it came out 20 years ago. And I remember how bad it was back then. Uh, I saw it in the theater. I think I, I genuinely think this was a walkout. I think when they, yeah. when they got the, when he got like the nanobots to turn him into like super Jason or whatever, yeah. I was like, well, I'm done. No, nope, that's it. This is awful. Um, you ruined the future. Having said that, uh, I did try to. Well, I said, "Well, Jason's not going to rewatch this. I'll rewatch this. I'll be the guy. I'll I'll sacrifice <laughs> twenty minutes into this thing." I'm like, "Nope, <laughs> I'm out." 
This doesn't even make sense. And you know what? It's Jason in space. It's yeah. the logical next step, I suppose. Yeah. Um, this movie is okay. I think we can move on. Numbers. Yeah. We got the numbers. Um, um, $14 million budget. What did it make? Domestically, $13 million. Uh, worldwide, 16.9. Yeah, that's awful. Yep. Awful. And the kill count, highest one so far. 24. 21. 21. All right. Yep. All right. All right. After 10 years of speculation, rumor, comes. and tons of false starts, it is finally announced that because New Line actually owns the rights to Jason, the character of Jason, and of course they own the rights to uh, uh, Freddy Krueger, that we are going to get 2003's Freddy versus Jason. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee for a wedding the weekend this came out. The wedding was on a Saturday. The bride and groom left to go on their honeymoon that night. <laughs> My flight did not leave until Monday. So I had a day just to, you know, just, you know, I was checked into a hotel and I had a day just to bum around the city. And uh, I knew this movie was out. And again, this is pre-smartphones. Yeah. Okay. I didn't have a laptop at the time. And I was in a strange city. So I actually had to buy a newspaper <laughs> to find a location to find a movie theater. Yeah. Because there was no maps, Google Maps. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, but I I tracked this thing down, and I was insistent on seeing it that weekend. And I saw it in the theater, uh, and then I saw it subsequently a couple times. But I wasn't the only one. This made made a shitload of money. Yep. It's opening weekend. But let's go ahead and see what it says here. Okay. Freddy vs. Jason is a 2003 American slasher film directed by Ronnie Yu and written by Damian Shannon and Mark Swift. It is a crossover between the Nightmare on Elm Street and the Friday the 13th series, being the eighth installment in the former and the 11th in the latter. The film joins two series in a shared universe and pits their respective antagonists, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees, against each other. Freddy is weakened and forgotten because the citizens of his hometown of Springwood have defeated him using medications that repress dreams. That's the hypnosil thing. I remember that. Yeah. Freddy awakens Jason to steer up fear and grow his power so that he may return and kill again. Jason turns out to not be as easily controlled as Freddy initially thought. And the two super supernatural mass murderers come into conflict. The crossover film was chronologically set after Freddy's dead, the final nightmare and Jason goes to hell the final Friday and is the last film in each franchise before their respective reboots. Mm hmm. Uh, I was always more of a Nightmare on Elm Street guy than I was a Friday the 13th guy. That's why I wanted to see this film. Rewatching it last week, I'm going to make a statement that I think is going to not make people very happy. <laughs> this movie sucks. <laughs> this movie sucks. Really, there's This movie sucks, and I'm going to tell you why it sucks. This is not the Freddy versus Jason movie that I think no. we deserve. We deserve no. something completely different. This has teenagers played by 30-year-olds. This has a nonsensical plot. This has, there's a line where uh, Monica Keaton says, Freddie died by fire, Jason by water. How can we use that? How the fuck do you know that? <laughs> like, like, none of this makes any sense. Screenwriter check. We could, we could literally do a whole episode on every issue I have with this movie. And it's funny to say that because after leaving the theater in 2003, I'm like, ah, that was cool. I'll watch that again. Rewatching it at 44, I'm like, this yeah. movie sucks. I, I kind of had the same overall is I didn't I didn't hate this one because like, you do get to see your two prime right. horror guys fighting it out for supremacy. I give respect to the fact that at least Robert England is playing Freddy yeah, Krueger. He is. Um, and uh, he plays him extremely well. Yeah. But like you said, the, the story is not there. The dialogue is not there. The, I, this 
movie, the production budget on it? You want to guess? Uh, I'm going to say production budget on this thing is $25 million. Yep. 25 yep. on the... Was I, was I right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So more than... Let's see. A few... More than 10 of them... More than six of them uh, combined. X. Jason Goes to Hell, eight and seven combined. Yeah. Um, it made... 82 million domestic and 114 million worldwide. Oh, yeah. It's not too bad. Became the highest um, grossing uh, movie of each respective franchise. Yep. Yeah. Um, this, uh, it's so bad. It's so bad. That entire rave scene, just as someone oh, who was yeah. a DJ for years, like, like that is so, so unnecessary. There's, yep. uh, I, I'm getting angry t- talking about this movie. It's so bad. Yep. They, they really, could have ended it so much better. They could have started it so much better. I just I feel like there's there's a movie between these two that yeah. can there there's there's a version of Freddy Krueger that could have been and Robert England could have there's a different version of Freddy Krueger. He yeah. could have played Freddy Krueger from 1, 2 or 3. Yes. That's the Freddy Krueger. Instead he's playing the 4, 5, 6 yeah. character. The puppeteer. The, the puppeteer, the, yeah. the guy with the puns, the Freddy puns. Yeah. Um there's missed opportunity there's I could make a list of missed opportunities. So, um, yeah, yeah. And that's, so that's going to bring us to, um, February 13th, 2009. All right. This is where Paramount is going to re-release after the success, after the success of many a reboot by Platinum Dunes. Okay. Uh, I believe. We get the Friday the 13th, simply titled Friday the 13th. It says Friday the 13th is a 2009 American slasher film directed by Narcus. Narc- I can't. <laughs> you can tell I'm running out of gas here. Friday the 13th is a 2009 American slasher film directed by Marcus Nesplow, written by Damian Shannon and Mark Swift. Uh, let's see. It is a reboot. It is a reboot of the Friday the 13th franchise, which began in 1980 and is the 12th installment. Uh, Nispel also directed the 2003 re- remake of Toby Hooper's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, while Shannon and Swift wrote the screenplay for the 2003 crossover Freddy vs. Jason. The film was produced by Platinum Dunes, there we go, and yep. Crystal Lake Entertainment, and it was distributed by New Line Cinema and Paramount Pictures. I did not know that. Uh, let's see. Uh, it follows uh, it follows Clay Miller as he searches for his missing sister, Whitney who is captured by Jason Voorhees while camping in the woodland at Crystal Lake. I saw this in the theater. It's the only time I've ever seen it. I did not revisit it for this particular one because, frankly, I forgot about it while I was going through the movies. So I can only give you my impressions from 13 years ago and that I thought it was exactly what a Friday the 13th movie should have been. Yep. High product. What's the budget on this? Budget on this is $17 million. Okay. All right. Uh, good production value, asshole characters that you did not give a shit if they got killed. Yep. Some brutal, graphic, gory stuff. I'm sure. Let me take a look at the runtime here. I think the runtime was a little longer than uh, no, 97 minutes. I'm just gonna say for the record, like again, I need to rewatch it. I've changed my opinion on Freddy versus Jason, but I remember leaving the theater going, yeah, that's exactly what I expected the the movie to be. Yeah. So for following that same kind of reboot production value and story arc it was good i i would have followed that to subsequent sequels yeah um surprised I, it didn't because it made a lot of money yeah i mean it made um 65 million domestic 92 million uh worldwide on 17 million yeah i think it had a huge opening weekend too yeah. 
like it a was, fifty um, million dollar opening weekend or something. I mean, the, the Rotten Tomatoes on it isn't great. It's twenty five percent. Yeah, but, but that yeah. still beats ninety percent of the entries in here. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, uh, I, I listen. I wouldn't say it's you know it's on my. I gotta watch it. But if it was yeah. on TV, I'd watch it. Yeah, it's probably. Might be the best one of the entire series. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> frankly, it might be. It might be. It might, as far as quality goes, and and yeah. you know, like a, you know, obviously, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and just say it right now. Like, part five is my favorite of this entire 13 film trilogy. Trilogy. Like, as far as if I'm going to be like, hey, let's watch a Friday the 13th movie, I'm going to be like, I'm watching part five. Yeah. No, so. I'd, I'd take this one or the first one. OG or last reboot. Okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Jason, this was fun discussing this. Yeah, so um, we ended up with 186 overall deaths. Wow. Um, the okay. most in any franchise. Okay. Um, and 157 of those are Jason. So, <laughs> okay. So, he, so. He's a prolific. Yes. And I'm sure we have not seen the last. No. I know there's been some rights issues. That's why we haven't. That's why it's been in the 13 year gap between yep. the movies. I would but never. I, I'm sure there's one in production. That if they went. haven't killed him yet. Yeah. Before we wrap up, um, you and I are going to be starting a Patreon exclusive series over the next couple of weeks where uh, we're going to kind of pick a theme and we're going to run with it. And the first theme is going to be 10 episodes long and it is going to be. 101 movies from the 1990s that you need to watch. Now, this will not be a countdown. No. It will not be our top 101 it, each week. Now, the question is, I'm going to ask you on the air, do we each recommend 10 each? So is this actually going to be 200 or are we going to do five <laughs> apiece? I, I kind of like five apiece. I think we'll try five. We'll try well, five we, apiece. We should, we should come up with 10 and then do five apiece so that yeah. if we have any overlap. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to, yeah. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun with that. So that one's going to be, uh, I don't, I don't want to put a timetable on anything because schedules <laughs> have been crazy for us, but that is something that we're actually going to start recording. I think, uh, starting next week. Next week. Yeah. So we're going to start recording that. So, um, if you haven't yet already, please subscribe to this podcast. It's available wherever podcasts are found. Uh, you can follow the show on social media, Twitter at Dana Buckler Show, Instagram at The Dana Buckler Show. You can email me, The Dana Buckler Show at gmail.com with questions and comments. Uh, you can reach out to Jason that way as well. And uh, I hope everyone had a fun, safe, happy October, happy Halloween. <laughs> I know it's November, so happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's fall, y'all. <laughs> it's fall, y'all. Jason, thanks as always, my friend. Appreciate it, Dana. All right, and we will talk soon. Cue the music. Yo, with your baby.